And this is Jesse, also known as Jester. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we're just here having a good time. And you didn't hear what we was talking about. We ain't going to tell you neither. But we are yeah. going to talk about sexuality. <laughs> That's what we're going to talk about today. Sexuality is all you ever need. Spirituality. <laughs> Let your body be free. Uh, change that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to note that as of November 30th, it is the 36th anniversary, if you will, of the Thriller album, which was released November 30th, 1982. Yes. That is true. And, <laughs> yeah, Happy yeah. forever to Thriller. I did see an article about that, and I got a chance to listen to some songs. I didn't listen to the whole thing as a whole, because like Thriller and Purple Rain, I appreciate the sum, but sometimes better. You already know where I'm going with this. The parts are better than the sum. The parts are better than the sum. That's where I was (laughs) getting to. But, yeah, I did, and I still do appreciate Thriller, because, I mean, we can't act as if it's not one of the best, or, well, it is the best-selling album of all time. So Mm -hmm. that says a lot in its own. Like, you don't have to say much after you say that. (laughs) There, there it is. And you definitely, I agree with you, you can't deny the impact of the album, but to say that everyone must concur that it is Michael's greatest album, then we got a problem. Because to me, it's not. To me, it's, it's my least favorite Michael album. I think Invincible is a far superior album. A thriller, come at me. What? <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I would concur with that. Absolutely. You want you want to be starting something? I come on. <laughs> we got the moves for you. <laughs> so, uh, dedication. Who are we gonna dedicate the show to today, Jackie? So we're gonna dedicate this to Sharon Jones. Sharon Jones. We Amazing. talked about her briefly, and it just made me think of her live stage presence. I did not see her live, but I have seen various performances of her um and i'm just like wow you're just in church you're on you're but you're also in front of your ancestors you're like in all of these different places when you're just watching her perform her energy was just so vibrant and we mentioned her because apparently and i'm gonna have to check this out she did a version of take me with you which, yes Amazing. yeah and um, i didn't know that so i have far to check superior that superior to the original and i believe it because i was saying people. earlier you know, Take Me With You is a boring song, in my estimation. It's very boring. I don't usually listen to it because of the fact of it being boring. But if Sharon <laughs> Jones did it, I'm going to have to give it a try. So we dedicate this to her. I say It is amazing. 
And I think it was released briefly before Prince's transition. That's when I heard it. Oh, it was before wow. Prince's transition. So, so it's a, is it an yeah. MP3 or a performance? Is she like it's, it's, a version? It's a recorded song. It's recorded. Oh, great. It's not live. It's recorded. That's wonderful, yeah. even. That's even better. So then I'm sure it's going to be. It's amazing. So if you have an opportunity to hear this, please hear it. And the thing I love about Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, I was around when they first started out. I used to hang out at this guitar shop, actually, when you had the musicians from the Dap Kings come and hang out. I never met Sharon Jones or anything. I remember one of the guitarists was like, oh, girls can't play music, and I let him have it. But <laughs> but I think I think he was being a troll, obviously. Right. But you know, just saying things like that and thinking that everyone's going to react in the same way is not very wise. Right. That's to <laughs> your fault. Then you get schooled. Nah. Right. I'll serve you these receipts. Can't come out with that kind of nonsense and expect not anybody to say anything. Right. <laughs> I'm glad but, you said something. They were amazing, and Sharon Jones was absolutely amazing. The thing I love about Sharon Jones is she started doing this when she was older, I think yes. in her 40s. Yeah. And she also played piano, but she did not do it a lot uh, publicly. But she definitely had her skills, and she showed out, she showed up, and she did the thing. And the thing I love about Sharon Jones as well is she, well, the, I guess Sharon Jones and the Dab Kings, but they would do songs that had very smart political commentary. So if you listen to the albums, they did a really amazing version of This Land Is Your Land. So the Woody Guthrie version, This Land Is Your Land. So, yeah, most people know that. There have been plenty of covers. And oh, they did awesome. yeah, a phenomenal rendition of it, which spoke to the material conditions of people who are systemically oppressed. I think when Woody Guthrie was doing it, it definitely had more of a class analysis to it. But when Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings did it, it was speaking about all of the conditions, so it merged race, class, etc. And one of my favorite songs they did, What If We All Stop Paying Taxes. They brought out little gems like that amongst the James Brown-inspired funk songs. They put out these political anthems. And a lot of people don't acknowledge those anthems too much. I don't know why. But Sharon Jones, man. Oh, they they actually called her the female James Brown. Yeah, exactly. I don't know about that, but she's... (laughs) Charlie was amazing. And yeah. even with her battles with cancer and she cut off all her hair, she went out there, it's like, you know, it's in remission. She just happened to get it again and succumb to that. But Sharon Jones, as far as I know and have seen, was a great woman. Uh, oh, yeah. a, a solid part of the music community and she should be commended for that. Ashay Absolutely. Sharon Jones. He performed with her in 2012, yes. I believe. That's still on YouTube. It's pretty nice to see it. I mean, he was just funking it up on guitar and sharing this. She praise breaking and just like <laughs> in it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just people appreciating each other's work. Mm-hmm. And 
I used to hear people say, oh, Prince, he didn't give other people shine. And how can you even say That's that? That's not true. Prince uh-uh. always gave always. people shine. All always. That he gave people in his band shine all the time. And I think people might be thinking more of the earlier days where he kind of did troll. <laughs> you know, he would troll Dr. Yeah. Fink at some points. Or, ooh, ooh. you know, people... Started. <laughs> people left the band because you know they had a different spiritual experience and they said well he's doing a little bit too much so they left for those reasons but when you saw what happened with the MPG you definitely saw he stood back a little bit more and understand that everyone had a role to play and it was a collective experience I mm-hmm. think with the revolution you could tell on a lot of levels that was a prince vehicle because he had so many songs coming outside of him that he had to he had to create other musical vehicles. So the time, Vanity Six, Apollonia Six, the family, all, all of this stuff. He had to create that because Warner Brothers was like, well, no, we're not gonna give you all of these catalogs. So he was smart. He had, you know, Alexander Nevermind, Christopher Tracy, all of these pseudonyms. Uh-huh. Yep. So there were vehicles for him, but then I think he realized, you know, yeah, this is Prince in the NPG or on the artist formerly known as Prince. Even when you dig deep into the concerts from the 80s, you saw folks get solos that were in him. He just stepped back. Mm-hmm. To say that he was always selfish would be factually incorrect. Yeah, he gave I, a lot of shine, always passed the torch. That's one thing that remained consistent with him. That performance in itself of him and Sharon Jones, I mean, they're in it. Like you just he's just almost just like the musician just coming on stage just to add his his little taste, but he never outshined someone. It seemed like he right. always kinda stepped back and allowed people to do what they had to contribute. So that's a one. And I fact. think him honoring other musicians, I know he had this whole problem with people covering his songs unless he liked it (laughs) but he had a penchant for covering a whole lot of other people's songs but one thing speaking of giving people shine i was not aware that willing and able had a video attached to it i literally (gasps) saw it yesterday i didn't know that it was the staple sisters i mean not the staple i didn't i did not know it was a video i can't believe and again we talked about diamonds and pearls i think so that I'm gonna say, part of the Warner Brothers catalog, that is my favorite New Power Generation album. Well, Parade is my favorite Revolution era album. Diamonds and Pearls, in terms of the Warner Brothers catalog again, it's my favorite uh-huh. New Power Generation era album. And to me, it was a solid. Not every song was jazz, but even the songs that weren't had jazz leanings. And then you had outright jazz on on the album. He gave Rosie Gaines shine. There's just so many people. Like Tony M had a platform. Yeah, you know, all these people had a platform, and he stood back when there was a guitar solo. You see live performances. You see on this song, he he gives other people shine. So to say, Prince was selfish and he just wanted to hug all the spotlight for himself. I think in later years, he did humble himself. I, I really think yeah. that he was able to see. Okay. The reason these people are, are in my band is because they have an immense talent. So let me just step back and appreciate it myself. 
Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. But I, I think he did that more with the MPG than with the revolution. <laughs> because the MPG was new power. There you go. New power. That's what you're dealing with. So for sure. I mean, Diamonds and Pearls, oh, we can go on and on about that. But uh, I'm surprised that should... you've never seen Willing and Able for the first I've time. I've never seen that. Isn't that yeah. a great video? Yeah. You yeah. see the steals. And I love, you know, it's kind of like you, you can totally see James Brown in that. I mean, yeah. you see him. Ow! Ow! It's just a yeah, really. No, I, yeah, I have no idea that was attached to any kind of video. That's the version I was surprised to not find on the album. The because album, I yeah, think version, that's, yeah. the, that's the only version I listen to because uh, woo, it's just great. Yeah. It's just so, not that the other one isn't good because it is good, but I but really appreciate better. that version. Yeah, this one is better because it's just the the atmosphere, the energy is just completely. Um, everyone's just in this groove, and you can yeah. see. And the affirmation is great. I mean, willing and able. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> like a child lost in the wilderness till I reach my destination. <laughs> I won't rest till I'm willing, willing till I'm able. <laughs> Ready to place my cards on the table. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, we could go on and on. Anyway, let's get to sexuality here. So, well, I mean, you kind of could talk about sexuality in relation to that song. But <laughs> I suppose you can. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really, I don't, somebody called it a gospel song. I'm like, mm, I don't think so, but okay. I mean, there are gospel flavorings for sure. You can't deny right. the seasonings of gospel. There's no way a gospel song. No, no, no. <laughs> Somebody said it was a gospel song. I I don't think any song that has Tony M on it is gonna be a gospel. <laughs> I just I don't see it. Context. <laughs> Context. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but sexuality. I do not see Prince or Michael as being sexy. For me, I think Prince is absolutely adorable. He's like a pixie. Well, and we should define what's sexy. What's sexy? Like, that, that's what I was going to ask you. So what oh, okay. do you... I know you were a heterosexual Well, keep going. Keep going. Keep going with where you but, were going. You said you don't find Prince and Michael sexy. I find him... Okay. I think Prince is absolutely adorable. Particularly around the musicology era. I think even the Diamonds and Pearls era, I think he's adorable. I think around the time of... Uh, parade. I think he was. There are just certain eras. I think he's absolutely adorable, and he had the playfulness to him. And I think those eras. That's when he seemed to have the most playfulness to him. Even sometimes he had the, the pixie haircut and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's like a little pixie, and <laughs> I just think he was such. He was like a mischievous little boy in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, he had sexual energy, obviously, but I just, I didn't see the sexiness in the same way that a lot of people have seen him and continue to. Michael, in the same way, I think that Michael Jackson is the, one of the least sexy people ever. And we had another conversation in the closet. It was probably 
the one time and blood on the dance floor and i'm like okay i see it but overall i don't get it like i i, I mean i see my, michael jason just I, he doesn't have the same type of mischievous boyness <laughs> right but he he just seems so immature to me in a lot of ways like that's just not appealing so where where are people finding the sexiness with michael jackson in particular i definitely see where people are seeing with prince i just don't see it for myself why do you think people see them as sexy well it could be just their confidence and how they present themselves overall i think with michael he's definitely you can just see his animation so that is for some people sexy because you don't see that a lot in men i'm not sure if it was how he i think his presentation was not as dramatic well it could be on the stage actually you know when michael would come up on a stage like just think of jam for instance that intro that's like whoa you know (laughs) and for a lot of people that is sexy you know um and when i just say sexy i think sexy just means like it's just that that lure of like damn that that looks good like that looks confident it looks almost stable it's not as um and then it also can be wavy so it's just this sense of um you just bring attention so to speak to who you are and i think people see prince as sexy because this dude wearing heels he got makeup on he got ruffles on his shirt sometimes he you know his his fingers are manicured pedicured all of that you know all the time Mm-hmm. And that's sexy because it's like, well, damn, he got it always. He just looked clean. You know, you sometimes meet people who are just clean. They just always, their clothes are just always fresh. They smell good. That can be seen as uh, sexy. And I think a lot of people put that on Michael and Prince a lot more, too, when you add that into their performance as well. I mean, they just kind of had this flair about them that was just you can't mess with me like you can't come to me because i'm this you know because i have this or i look like this or i carry this talent or i carry this this uh sensibility and i think everybody carries that we just got to know how to animate that if we want to i mean you don't have to it's one of those things people you can find sexy can also be subtle too where it's just not you know oh i just thought of something crazy but i'm not going to even <laughs> volunteer that <laughs> Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. See, that's the thing. You start talking about sex, then you start thinking, hmm, what's that mean? <laughs> but no. Yeah. What do you think about, don't you, would you say that Michael and Prince carried a confidence about them that was appealing? Confidence, but that's not necessarily sexy to me. When I think sexiness, for me, it doesn't automatically assume that I want to have sex with them. And I think when people talk about, no, but when you hear people talk about sexiness, it's like, oh, I want to do things to them. Oh. Right. And you know, that's what I'm saying. Because a lot of people put that in it, and that is kind of awkward because it's um, it's like, well, why are you looking at it like that? Right. It doesn't have to be that. So when you say sexy, you're going to more. Okay. For me, like. I don't know if people necessarily know who he is, but I think Gilberto Gil is sexy. He's out of Brazil. He's a guitarist. And he 
has always been just so mature and so he also kind of has this balance of masculine and feminine energies to me nurturing abilities he has in the song and he was one of the folks part of the tropicalia movement he got kicked out of brazil by the government at one time and then he ended up when he came back to brazil uh became part of the government <laughs> but and now the the sad thing is with brazil we're seeing uh Bolsonaro and, and the rise of fascism in Brazil, which is a whole other conversation that's very, very disturbing. But Gilberto Gil and uh, so many others in the Tropicana movement were kicked out of Brazil based on their political beliefs and their music. Gilberto Gil uh, lived in Europe, or the UK specifically, I think, and so he used to write songs about how I miss Brazil and just so many songs. And he's still making music. He's probably in his 70s right now. And I just, I love him so much. And I think that's sexy, but he's not, exu- he doesn't carry the Prince energy at all. He's just there. But he's, I don't know, I can't describe it. And for me, I think Shirley Ralph. I don't know if anybody knows Shirley <laughs> But she's she's sexy. Like, but that doesn't mean I want to have sex. Like, I'm not gonna go and stalk her and be like, I want to have sex with you. I just think she exudes sexiness. I don't see that from Prince and Michael. It's not the same thing for me. Prince, to me, when I see sexuality for him, I see spirituality. When I see Cheryl Lee Ralph, she's just like, I know I'm sexy, and I see that I'm like, <laughs> yeah, she's sexy. Gilberto Gil, I just see him. He's just like, yes. I'm here, and it's it's really hard for me to describe. But when I see Prince, I see a playful pixie. I see someone who's magical, but not he's not a magical Negro. I mean, that's a whole other mm-hmm. conversation. But right. someone who just really is so connected with his spirituality, and to me, that is magical. Right. I really believe when people say they have seen him float. I believe that. Yeah, to me, absolutely. It's not, it's, he doesn't exude sexiness in the same way I process sexiness. That's Michael the thing. We'll Jackson, see. It seems I, that sexuality I don't, is. I don't see it. You don't see it in Michael because of of his. You said immaturity even. Yeah. Got it. So for you, who who do you think is sexy? Um, I mean, and that's the thing. I'm just thinking of the word. You know, again, I'm a writer, so I think of the context of how it's used often. And when I think of someone sexy, and I've because. I've been going with confidence a lot in this way, and I'm realizing I do find that appealing when you can see somebody, whoever they are, anybody can be sexy. I mean, it's just about how you take with what you have and how do you utilize that in a way where it's people notice it. It's almost like magnetism in a way, like you're animated. So Mm -hmm. sexiness is, I mean, I think of and I can think of I'm trying to think of someone in the context of what we're talking about, though, because see. (laughs) <laughs> well, just in general, like, just in general, sexuality for right. you. Who who do you think is sexy? I think there are a lot of people. <laughs> I know it's really. I don't know why I can't pinpoint it now. And it's gonna. I'm a. It's gonna jump at me like, and then we're like, oh, and it hasn't happened yet. But right. <laughs> um, for whatever reason, I don't know because then my brain is now wavering the lengths of. The determinations. That's how I can get sometimes with it. But 
it'll come to me. But let's just go so for a second about for, sex for sexiness. So what do you think? Are you connecting it with primarily the physical when you think somebody's sexy, or are you thinking more on a spiritual? Because for me, yeah, the sexiness is more spiritual to me. But right, it's spiritual. I don't but to me, think it's of, so it's casual too, though. That's also like it's okay. not. It's it's one of those things that comes. It, it's almost like a moment for me okay. where it's like I'll see it and it's like wow that's sexy it's it's characterized mostly by a fleeting yet airy rock of some kind I don't know how to translate it so I've seen it in moments where it just it's like wow this is this is the moment the first person so Diana Ross Michael I'm sorry oh okay <laughs> okay you, 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 if you said that around Michael he would have he would have fucked you like, He's like, you, no. you trying to steal my woman? Who is it? <laughs> Who it's is me. It's my <laughs> <laughs> that, okay. No. Okay. Diana uh, Ross. Okay. Diana Ross. No, no. Oh, that, 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 man. Oh, man. All <laughs> of the people I'm thinking of are even Roberta Flack. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I can think of, I love, like, Gladys Knight or mm. even a um Day. Oh, you, you got to fight with everybody on that. Oh, I know. <laughs> everybody. Uh, everyone can see, right? Everyone's just like, what? <laughs> but see, but that's because, see, that those are like clear pointers because they're known to be that. They had, mm-hmm. they just invite that. Shaka Khan even does that for me, too. Yeah. Um, again, you, you got to fight with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Jill Scott. I know I got to fight with a lot of people. You got to fight with yeah. Especially after what she just did. We, Ooh, you got to fight with a lot Philly of people. From Philly. Yeah. <laughs> but let's give examples that are even more, like I said, subtle. So I can think, I can give you a sexy moment. Okay. You can be out and then you see somebody just in their stride. You look, you examine, you give that. I mean, it's different when you're living in a city where you can, if you're living in, I mean, you live in Jersey. So you see, from what I hear, people are just always out on the go. They're just constantly moving. You're not really saying hi, so to speak. I mean, I guess you are, but you're not sitting around to do no small talk. Where right. when you're living in an area where you're doing a lot of small talk, you can just catch people in moments mm-hmm. in a society where you just see them, whether it's you know going through their phone or uh, waiting for the bus, and you know you have that one moment of eye contact and you smile mm-hmm. for a lot. You can come in a wink. You know, those are things, those are like sexy things to me. Um, But in the context of just overall, when I think of sexuality, I'm totally with you. It's very spiritual in the sense that it's, those two things can be worn. It's like a hand in glove. Sexuality is spirituality, which is why I think when Prince (laughs) performed sexuality, he changed the lyric to spirituality. That's the only (laughs) lyric he changed. You know, (laughs) everything else was the same. But you know, it's all right, just like with I Feel For You, you know. Right. It's just people get, when you say, oh, it's mainly a spiritual thing, it's like, oh, damn, you know, it's a deeper level, it's a dip, deeper crave. Right. But when you say, oh, it's mainly a sexual thing, it's like, oh, <laughs> you just want it for this. Because sexuality right. is seen to be physical, whereas spirituality is seen to be spiritual. So my question to you okay. is, are you saying that sexiness and 
sexuality can be two different things or you think they're merged as one and the same most of the time? I think mostly they merge as one and the same, but I think because sexuality has often been distorted through propaganda and how now people, when they hear sex, you know, and we think of how much sex is around us in a society, especially, it triggers something else. Another mental image comes to mind. So mm-hmm. again, if you tell somebody, oh, it's mainly a sexual sex, uh, it's mainly a physical thing, they're going to think, you know, oh, you're just looking at my body. You're not thinking about what I have in my mind and all of these other things. Okay. So, but I think ultimately they are merged because you kind of can't have one without the other. And it's not to say it has anything to do with attraction. It's like, mm-hmm. just because you find someone sexy don't mean you want to screw them or any of there that. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it just means you find you, you identify it as something positive and appealing because of mm-hmm. however way that caught you. That's kind of how I look at it. And in those ways, Prince and Michael have had sexy moments, you know, or sexy, you know, because that word is so funny. I remember hearing it for the first time. I was like, sexy, sexy, you know. <laughs> if, if, if you say it slow, you say it fast, you know, it changes kind of, it's one of those words that really is <laughs> probably one of the most, um, how do you say, malleable words. Like, you can really make it mean whatever. If you. That's an interesting point because when people talk about media, when people mm-hmm. talk about certain subjects, they go, this is not sexy, so it's not going to sell. So right. people do use the word sexy in terms of marketing or yeah. producing content. So I think it is malleable up to a certain point. It's still used in terms of connecting with people's lower registers, lower vibrations. Mm-hmm. So right. when people talk about sexiness, when selling media or products, it's still being used to connect to your emotions and again your lower vibrational energy and so when i'm thinking of sexiness i'm thinking of someone who again is mature who does have this confidence level about themselves it's not necessarily me saying yeah i want to sleep with them right but i just see there's just something about them and i don't particularly see that with Prince. When I see him humping the stage, it just looks funny to me. <laughs> I just, I don't, I'm like, this is not appealing to me at all. That scene in Purple Rain, I'm just like, this looks like two young well, you kids know what is? trying to okay. get down. Right, so here's, I, a, I here, here's a cool parallel, though. So, Purple Rain, I agree, you know, you see him doing that. It's, it's, it's funny to me, too. Um, yeah. But I think of something like Under the Cherry Moon. So Christopher Tracy, when he would look. Okay. Now you okay. see? You see that? See, that's the stuff. He got, that's sexy well, he got because, a little bit more press. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Right. So I actually, that's why Under the Cherry Moon is my favorite. Because mm-hmm. it has a lot of, it's playful, but yet you can see he's making you look at him. Because he's doing things that is enough it's you know it's these are just subtle glances you know you're not really examining like a dog you'll just give a look and then look away and then if you caught it you caught it that sex scene was still awkward to me i just i just personally don't like sex scenes but i'm like it was a little bit it it was a little more tasteful than the Mm -hmm. one i'm purpling right uh, it's still like uh, i don't need to see this (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah, yeah, Christopher got to practice him more than the kids. <laughs> That's true. 
<laughs> yeah. So, I mean, when you think of how they approached, I mean, Prince has so many songs referencing sexy. I mean, and I think for him, he really looked at it as, again, like we said so many times, it was spiritual. So, like, sexy dancer, uh, not that he could have a song called spiritual dancer. Wouldn't that be funny? Ooh, that's my take, right? My take is spiritual dancer. Right. So, like, but I mean, in many ways, he used it in, like, all, there would be times live he would say, this is only for the sexy people, you know? Right. Only for the sexy people, like, and it was, it's almost like saying only for the people who, on the to and fro, like, the people who are listening, who are getting it, who, who, exactly. who can follow along, you know? So, and then Michael, I think of you in the closet. Let's talk about in the closet for a second. Okay, let's, let's go there. <laughs> let's get there. So when I first saw that video, this was also during my. I should call this something. This era in my life when I was just listening to a lot of Michael because it was my first time discovering him, and mm-hmm. that video in particular, I just loved it because the colors and the dancing, the vibration. It was just something. It's not it's not it's not like seeing anything really. Um and that is a sexy video all around because it's okay. not well, the, way, uh, the interaction is sexy. Yeah, oh yes. So That's, the funny right. thing is that Herb Ritz he has had similar videos, but all of his videos, despite being stylistically similar, had differences. And that's a very rare quality to have. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yeah, they all had, you know, like because he did, he directed uh, Janet Jackson's Love Will Never Do Without You. So you can see his very similar quality. And what's the Chris Isaac song? Oh, I don't want to fall in. Like he did that one too. Right. So all three of them are black and white and they had similar camera angles and, you know, they had a couple together. And I just wanted to say that. What were you saying, Jesse? <laughs> No, no, no. That's that's actually nice to know. Um, I'm I was gonna ask you what you thought in the uh, context of sexy. Like when you see in the closet, do you see? Because this was also this seemed to be. I mean, dangerous is the perfect title for that era because he was making danger moves, like dangerous moves to a lot of people. Because it was not the kitty. Because even bad is sort of like you know, oh I'm bad and oh I'm a smooth oh, yeah. criminal. You know, it's you right. know, it, it had all of these like poppy any catchy right. so to speak you right. know right. whereas you know dangerous is definitely way more like no this is me and right. i'm gonna do it and and i don't care if you don't like it but i'm grabbing my crouch you know and i'm a <laughs> grind there's even a photo like it's, it's a photo of michael and i'm sure you've seen this photo of him with the red shirt <laughs> and he's gr- you know it's what okay all right i know what you're gonna okay. yeah i want to know the whole context of me that too. photo me too because i feel like somebody shot that uh, mid-action and we're like oh yeah we're gonna put this out right. and mm-hmm. I, I, uh, yeah so i want to know what was going on but there's the other when you see the video of it they're basically dry humping each other so i want to know the full context of that whole thing People said, well, yeah, they weren't doing anything. And then other people said, yeah, they were. I don't know, because there's also uh, a clip of them. It looks like, again, I don't know the full context, but there's a clip and it looks like they were kissing. And then uh, Naomi Campbell turns around and she puts, you know, her, like, oh, the coy, like, finger in the mouth, like, oh, oops, we got caught. So I want to know. Uh oh. Yeah. 
I want to know the full context of all of that. And I think within the closet, since you asked, yes, <laughs> it's to me that era, and we had spoken about this on another episode, but Dangerous is that era where he started coming into his own maturity. I think Invincible was the culmination of all that, but Dangerous was the the beginning of his maturity era and bad yeah the way you make me feel was problematic and we've talked about it i just felt like yeah there was a lot of immaturity because he still was playing out a lot of that stuff and then he had neverland so he had more opportunities to play but dangerous he started working with teddy riley and the kind of producer teddy riley is he's not gonna make those kind of songs that is more of oh yeah a darker level to what Teddy Riley does. You know, if he's going to work with, say, a Babyface or even a Jammin' Lewis or a Teddy Riley, he's going to have to come with it on that level. When he's doing She Drives Me Wild, even with Jam, he came at this level where he started doing outright political pronouncements, where you didn't see that so much with the Bad Album. There were a couple of references here and there but another part of me was you know still coming from captain eo so he wasn't doing a why you want to trip on me at that point he did a liberian girl but he still made it like oh just like in the movie so he's still mentally on that but yeah i'm glad that you mentioned that because it's a very important context to see someone new i mean quincy jones kind of had him not on the rope, but, you know, he wasn't going <laughs> to give him. I mean, Michael even didn't go that far for whatever reason. But he definitely did when he had new flavoring. So you got someone like Teddy Riley. He's kind of like aware of just where music is going. And he knows right. that Michael could contribute in a way that's even, you know, I mean, it became the highest New Jack Swing album of all time. Of all time Seven. to this day. To this and, day. And it's just- well, yeah, this was when New Jack Swing was kind of coming to an end. And Michael Jackson, his album brought it back up to this point where, oh, New Jack Swing is still dope. you know. <laughs> and, uh, the thing about Michael's eras, though, and I think it works similar to Prince, where each era is going to have a different sound. So you had when he was at Motown, it was bubblegum pop with some soul into it because you couldn't help that. And then he did it off the wall. He's like... I'm grown now. I'm going to show the world who I am outside of my brothers, outside of Motown. And then he worked with Quincy Jones. So there was, you know, he had the Quincy Jones era. And if he continued to work for Quincy Jones, he was never going to get out of that. And he knew that. He's like, I need to have some new sounds. Quincy went and let me work with Run DMC. I want rap on my albums. I'm going to work with Teddy Riley. And he had rap on his albums. And it was just this more aggressive type of singing style, more aggressive type of arrangements, and more mature type of arrangements. I know people love his work with Chrissy Jones, but I think the material he did after that had a maturity to it that in some ways you just have to listen to it. Like words can't describe it. I mean, you can try, but I think he proved himself with his delivery and with... She Drives Me Wild, 
with I can't let her get away with dangerous. Dangerous, by the way, is my favorite dance sequence. I know they got it from the summer stock movie, Bob Fosse. There you go. But it's I dope, think, though. Oh, my goodness. I agree with what you. What he did with it is like, oh, it was just amazing. It's crazy. What he did with it. He straight up jacked the Bible verse and, you know, so, right. so then he's putting <laughs> that element into it. And I think, I'm telling you, him and Prince are similar in so many ways. People don't even know. But he took this woman, like, it was on another level where he's fighting with his spirituality. And I think I've talked about this in other conversations, but I think Dangerous, that album, he was really fighting between how he was raised religiously slash spiritually and his coming of age in this new adulthood. And he was reacting slash responding to it. So you had a dangerous where it's just like, oh, you know, you had a Liberian girl in this fantasy and I want to marry you and all of this. And then you had a dangerous where woman's dangerous. But the way you make me feel, woman in this adolescent fantasy is like, oh, I'm going to get this woman. <laughs> and, right. and it was just creepy. But now it's like, okay, this woman's on equal footing with me and it's kind of scary. Because it's like, I'm not used to this. Okay. But I think a lot of the songs she's thinking about Diana Ross. So now he's older and he's on this level where it's just like, okay, I'm old enough for Diana Ross, but she's married. She's living out of the country. She's, you know. So I think he's processing a lot of that. And then you have Remember the Time, The Jam, but you look at the short film. It had so many triple entendres in that. How, I'm going to keep asking this, how does Michael say his music's for kids? Are you kidding me? <laughs> they had the scene in Remember the Time where she's stroking the staff. Oh. How, how is this for kids? I mean, well, kids kid, have well, well, I'm about to, wait, hold on. Now, kids don't see that like that because some cartoons do. I, some do I, well so, um, not, not all i shouldn't speak for all kids because i saw a lot of that too but okay a lot of kids don't know it that way because you know when you watch cartoons True. some of them yeah. you know they you know it's just really up for this that's kind of like a, a nugget for the adult but um, but they're right. still <laughs> completely yeah right. i see what you're saying Did you look at the, the muppet movie you look at all those movies parents and kids enjoyed it because you have puppets, so kids enjoy it, but they had a lot of adult humor in that mo- in those movies. You know, Muppet Show, same thing. All those shows had adult humor, but kids were like, oh, puppets. So, but I think Michael Jackson worked in the same way. However, the songs that he did were not kids' material, and I'm still trying to figure out why he said, oh, kids, you know, pr- Prince, kids went to his concerts too when he was doing all those songs. So, you know, kids go to those concerts. But to be like, my music, oh, for kids. Prince ever said that? Because he was just like, my music ain't for kids. I know kids go to my show, which is why I switched it up because I know kids right. go to my show. But Michael never was like, oh, I'm going to switch it up. He did in the closet. That is not for kids. Talking about lust and... To answer your question, that I told what I'm telling you, it takes me 20 minutes to get to my point. So, <laughs> in the closet, <laughs> the reason I find that sexy is because I think this was a mature Michael on this level I had never seen him mature before. It was to me a mature mating ritual with two consenting partners. The dance, it was just so slick. It was like a hand in glove. It was so smooth, silky. It was so smooth. Just 
everything. And I had never seen Michael in that light before because remember the time was playful. That kiss was awkward. I was like, why did they even put that in there? Yeah. Like, I had thought was, the, the kiss, I, you know, I was watching that one not long ago and I saw that. Whoop. And it's like, mm. I mean, I kind of like that it was far back. And there's no yeah, like that, should have been, close. that should have been left on the cutting room floor and done over because like how, okay, first of all, so they, and then I'll get back to the closet because I want to hear your response in the closet. So they did, so she's stroking the staff or whatever, and it's definitely a play on coming to America, obviously. Of course. So, <laughs> so and uh, Eddie Murphy, I, okay, I'm going to backtrack here. So, because I'm probably never going to mention this again. What's up with you? To me, that is, that was a way to lure Michael Jackson into Eddie Murphy's world. I think Eddie Murphy had a ginormous crush on Michael. I know people are going to be like, what? And a lot of people already think this, so I'm not saying anything that people don't think. But he had a ginormous crush on Michael, and that was a way to get him in this song and this video. He had the Harlem Boys Choir and making it, it looked like a, a C-rate Raspberry Beret and mountains. Uh, it's just like, <laughs> what are you doing, dude? Like, oh, this video is horrible. It's horrible. And the song is terrible. And it, it's, he's trying to do Prince. And then Prince, uh, and then Eddie Murphy looking like a leather daddy. And uh-huh. it's just, it's the whole thing is just wrong. <laughs> The whole video is just wrong. <laughs> and then at the end, the end, what happened? Right like, now. Michael's in front of Eddie Murphy, and he's like, what's up with you? And then Eddie Murphy covers Michael's mouth. And it's like, is he going to kidnap him? Like, what is going on? <laughs> the whole thing is creepy. And I really feel like that was a way to lure Michael into some some weird fantasy of his. And Michael's just like, okay, I'll do it. Some parts of the video, Michael is like, I don't know what's going on. You can see in his face. He's like, okay. But Eddie Murphy's like, la, la, la. And then just even how he was with Michael on other times when they were in award ceremonies and Arsenio. I don't know. I feel like Eddie Murphy had a ginormous question on Michael Jackson. If I'm wrong, correct me. But I'm just getting the body language and the signals from him. And what's up with you? To me, that was big proof of that. Okay, but now, like, <laughs> remember the time, and Eddie Murphy beating him, remember the time, I'm like, to me, that's another piece of proof that he was into Michael Jackson, and Michael Jackson was like, it was unrequited love, as far as I'm concerned, between Eddie Murphy and Michael Jackson, when he had Amon, who's an incredibly beautiful woman, so they were like, okay, who are we going to pick for the love interest, and Michael Jackson was like, are you kidding me? Amon. I think that was his first choice. You know, she's just like, oh, okay. And I think she was married to David Bowie at that time still. They embraced it. It's just, it was weird how they embraced. It's like, okay. It wasn't like two people that were hungry for each other, which to me was the whole premise of the video. It's like, remember the time when we fell in love? And of course, the song was dedicated to Diana Ross. Da da da. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, they're embracing. It's like, no. But then he kisses her. It's so awkward. Are you in love? Really? Because I'm not seeing it. But you see in the closet? Okay. That's what Remember the Time was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Had, well, I mean, two- Remember the Time, 
I think a redeemable quality though is the dance sequence. And it was yeah. almost kind of oh, like, I'm not going to go all the way in with you. I'm yeah. just going to let you know I'm here and, mm-hmm. you know, you got to follow me. Because she was the one, you know, and then when they finally met up, they did a little kiss. And then he disappeared, you know, kind of like, I'm here, but I'm not here. But <laughs> just so you know, remember that we did this, you know. And I, so it, that's I, I one see, of my favorite I, okay, videos. Of all. Okay. I think the thing is, this was, I don't remember if remember the time when Black or White was first. I remember both of them being major events. And I think remember the time was first. This was the first short film we saw Michael. And all these people already were assuming he was gay. And all these people were like, he's asexual. He's gay. He's this. He's that. And then the first scene you show is this awkward kiss. So, of course, people made fun of him. But then in the closet, he was like, I, okay. Okay, I'm going to show y'all. I'm going to put it in a ponytail, too. I'm going to put my hair in a ponytail. Let y'all see. Right. I'm aware, and so you um, can tell he kind of he kind of buffed up a little bit and he just looked fit. It was one of the healthiest looks he had. You could tell when you're talking about Prince when, you know, there were points where his hip was hurting so bad so he wasn't doing much, but then there was a point he was jumping off rafters again and I feel like that was the case with Michael. He was just like, "I know I look good right now." That's the that is why I think he was sexy because he was like, I know I look good and I'm going to show you. See, I it goes back good. to that confidence. It's like when you know it, right. you can't help but right. it. Like, look, I'm walking in here. Right. I already know all y'all looking at me. It's cool. And he, the only other time I saw him flaunt it was blood on the dance floor. Every other time it was just like, uh-uh. Then you have, again, the dance between him and Naomi Campbell. It was playful, but it was so mature. Wow. And then that was the, 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 and then there was the scene they showed where she was getting up. I was like, what y'all doing? Like, what what is y'all doing? Oh, okay. So <laughs> the the bridge of the song where he was like doing orgasms. I was like, all right, all right, Michael. <laughs> what do you trying to tell the world something? <laughs> But to me, just how it was filmed, his dance, he was angular, but smooth at the same time, and just everything about it. And I think the same thing with Blood on the Dance Floor, where, you know, he gained a little bit of weight, and he was even more mature, and the dance, just everything Yeah, Blood on the Dance Floor, that video, woo! That's yeah, and he had that red outfit. Yeah, and yeah, the, red and his hair on, was pulled back again. So whenever his hair is pulled back, you're like, okay. Yeah, he knew. Michael knew. He took advantage of that. Whenever he had a little ponytail, he's like, all right, now, I'm on the scene. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just like, wow, okay. I see it now. When people are like, he said, I see it. Those I love that Michael, just on a side note, real quick, Michael always seemed to have as his love interest in his music videos, a person of color. <clears throat> I'm just letting you know, because I thought of Naomi, I thought of Iman, I thought of this one, uh, the one in the blood of the, I believe, I forget, I remember her name. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, wasn't she Puerto Rican? She was like Puerto Rican, ooh. I can't oh, remember. The- all I know is all of the women he had in his video, okay? <laughs> so don't come at me with no nonsense. <laughs> You you gotta you gotta you gotta 
you gotta go to the mausoleum and take it out with Michael. <laughs> right, dial that back. <laughs> but but okay, Dirty Diana. First of all, oh, I, I forgot that about that one. Kind of what are you In his live performances, he how he's how he's like stroking the mic stand. I just like this is not sexy. But it was like that's so hot. I still maintain that song was his fantasy about him and Diana Ross. I don't care what everybody Actually, says. Actually, you know, all I know is Dirty Diana, I don't listen to that one often. For whatever either. reason, I never really listen to it. But when it comes on, I don't turn it off. I really like the, the I love the building of it. That's what really, yes. the, you know, that, that kind of dramatic stuff. Yeah. It can be yeah. really nice. So No, I think actually structurally it's an amazing song. I just yeah. don't like songs about groupies, but structurally it's amazing and I think it's a vast improvement from Beat It. I think Beat It even though it was rock, it was still pop. But Dirty Diana was a straight up rock song and I think it worked for his voice. Oh, I gotta listen it to that again. Ooh, it's been a long time. You never make me stay, so take your weight off of me. I think it just worked. Move, so won't won't just let it be. Me. I heard your time before, but I was too blind to see. Just want to see that you still stand in this time you won't, won't do see. Yeah, saying that's okay. <laughs> like, Ooh, it's just, oh, yeah, I gotta love that again. It's that brilliantly was, yeah, done. It's brilliantly like, done. How it built Hell, because the, the yeah. vocals. You never make it stay. It's just, just smooth, and he's like, just saying, that's okay. Like it's just, and he's building up, and his voice is getting like just Ooh, much. It just gives you chills, like, because then you know yeah. it's gonna come, and then the guitar comes, like, Ooh, right. So yeah, the song is brilliantly done. It's brilliantly done. Ooh, and what's that do so with the weekend? I was like, just why are you covering uh, the song? Uh uh. Like the uh, weekend uh, version is like. Uh uh. Listen. Somebody was trying to get me. They was like, "Are you?" This was some dude. I, he was a hipster or somebody, a hippie, whatever you call these people. Like, who? I mean, don't get me wrong. Some weekend songs aren't bad, but this was my first time hearing about them because it was like, "Have you never heard of the the weekend?" Oh, you're a Michael fan. He did a song of Dirty Diana. You're gonna love it. I'm like, right. "Are you sure?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's so good." And I'm like, "All right, I listened to it." Mm-hmm. Okay. First time, I'm like, "This dude, wow." This is awful. <laughs> then the second time, it's like, yeah, this is awful. And then the third time, it's like, yeah, no, you cannot do this song. <laughs> there is never going to be a moment where I'm like, you know what? That weekend song when he did it during that, no, it's not mm-hmm. good. Okay. Now I do like some songs from the weekend, but that is not one of them. So no, no. I I actually have <laughs> never heard a weekend song that I liked, and I. <clears throat> Starboy ain't bad. I like Starboy. Honestly, I don't know the titles. I just know that I work with people who listen to The Weeknd all the time. And I was like, this is, I don't So look what you done. Yeah, I know. His voice, he he has an interesting voice. And he obviously takes everything from Michael Jackson. Like, all of that. Okay, before we get back (laughs) into the subject, because I want to hear what you think about In the Closet. We're going to digress for a moment, because... All these people were saying the weekend sounds like Michael Jackson. People are saying Chris Hell Brown. So no. the thing oh, is, you can you take cues from somebody, inspiration, but if you don't have the warmth to your voice, 
If you don't have, yeah, Michael Jackson has a particular warmth to his voice, a particular resonance to his voice that other people who quote sound like him do not have. The weekend uses a vocal modulation to get to that. To say he sounds like Michael Jackson and he's using autotune, he doesn't sound like Michael Jackson. I want to hear his broad voice. And he probably still doesn't sound like Michael. I guess that I can't feel my face song is his. He doesn't sound like Michael Jackson. I think I've heard him acoustically without any autotune. Mm-hmm. And he has, the thing is with him is he has a voice. It's the weekend okay. voice, you know? It's okay. not like, it's kind of like Rihanna even. Or mm-hmm. someone like, you know, these, they don't sing, like they're not singers, not at all. You couldn't right. really put them in a, you know, a live band and just have them tear it up. Because they, they don't know, they're not using their voice as an instrument as mm-hmm. Michael or Rochelle Farrell would do. Mm. But for what they use it for, it can be effective sometimes. So mm-hmm. I think with The Weeknd, he has songs like, again, his last album, Starboy. I don't actually mind that album. It's, it's, it's a good album. And his mm-hmm. voice is, you know, he it's just The Weeknd's voice. But it's nothing. What I'm saying is when people say things like, oh, he sounds like Michael, those are people who do not know Michael Jackson. They might know a song. They may have heard, oh, yeah, the Thriller. Oh, yeah, the Billie Jean. But they do not know Michael Jackson because there's no way you can say he sounds like Michael Jackson. None of these people. Because like you said, not only the warmth of Michael's voice, but just the way he was able to construct a song. You can't say that. You can't say that unless you know his music. And anyone who I know that knows Michael Jackson would never say Oh, yeah, The weekend sounds like... So, so, again, that person who was like, oh, you know, listen to Dirty Diana? That was somebody who probably heard Billie Jean once in their life. <laughs> or maybe 20 that's times. Like, that's <laughs> like saying, even though Sexy MF is a nod to James Brown, that sounds just like James Brown. Or that's like yeah. saying, because... Right, cause, exactly. Good example. Because Michael says, Shaman, that he sounds like Mavis Staples. I mean, right. Like, what? right, right, right. <laughs> That's like, no, you don't get the privilege of saying that because it's not accurate and it's not true. And it's a disservice to yeah. Michael's voice. The weekend sounds nothing like, like, imagine, I was like, what? And so when I heard Dirty Diana from The weekend, I'm like, man, get out of here. You just like Justin Timberlake, when he does songs, he'll do the, <laughs> give it over, like Michael does for Off the Wall. Like, you literally take that from him? You took it. Like, you ain't saying that. Michael said that. And you literally mm-hmm. said, take it over. Same thing. Did Justin Timberlake say that? Yeah. He said that <laughs> song, Um, I forget, all, of, all of his songs, one of you, the, the um, uh, let's not even go on Justin Timberlake. I'm not, let's rewind it back to sexuality. <laughs> but what I think, just briefly, I agree with you. I think that In the Closet has all of the things I appreciate about Michael's just dancing ability and just chemistry. You know, I think he really rhymed well with Naomi. They they seem to really just have fun while also just bringing that seduction, you know, and it just takes you to this dreamy yet present reality. It's funky, too, you know, and the the, the just the way the the because I love New Jack Swing. So I know you don't really care for it, but I love the little the car sounds and the da, 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 and, Boom, and then you know, all of these random sounds, and and he's got the freaks, right? But he's in sync with it. And then there's a moment yeah. in it where he does this thing. I, I see the dance now, where it's just like it's so cool, like it goes in so smooth. I mean, mm. you know, his body is just so 
almost like he can do anything with it. So, yeah, I love that video. And it's sexy because, again, when you take something that everyone, you know, you're switching the meaning to is in the closet. He's like, this is I think a lot of people were kind of dumbfounded by that because they're like, oh, why is he calling the song in the closet? But that just goes to show you your perception can be screwed up by propaganda because, <laughs> you know, he's saying all of the things I want to do to you, you know, it's, uh, whatever we do, we ain't making this public. You see, right. <laughs> This is just <laughs> what you trying to do, man. What you tr- <laughs> no, but I, I totally get that. I get that. It's, it's clever. You know, and we do. Yeah, that song is. <laughs> that song is like okay. It's really the first song I could think of that Michael was explicitly sexual. Yeah, I mean, cause look, the lyrics. Let's 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 go to some of the lyrics real quick here. Because <laughs> just open the door and you will see the passion burns inside of me. Don't say to me you'll never tell. Touch me there, make the move, make a spell. But here's my favorite when he says, "Cause this is clever, you know." If it's aching, this you gotta is, rub it. Yeah, there you go. That's it. <laughs> when it's aching, you gotta rub it. Yeah, it's it's really. You cannot cleave it or put it in the furnace. You cannot wet it. You cannot burn it. Mm. Dare me, dare me. See, that's like, come on, come on now. This is a taunt. Like, I don't want you to do it. Just, ooh, give me insight, you see? And so, yeah, that that song, one of my favorites. I think the video is great. And it also, it says a lot about how you display or how you even present sexuality in a way where it's not just derogatory or just explicit in the sense where it's like, okay, you're just like, mm. I think a lot of people can appreciate the subtle way of display of sexual not that when it shows up it's you know because it's not like i'm saying derogatory sexuality being exposed is altogether bad um sometimes though it can just be too much and when you're doing too much you don't need to do too much you know nobody wants nobody to do it too much and that's anybody (laughs) like just do what you need to do to get it done you don't have to degrade in the process you know, and then I think of a song. So <laughs> let's go to Prince for a second. Days are wild. <laughs> now, <laughs> this song is interesting to me because, you know, we're speaking of sexuality here. And you think of how, I guess, sexuality, how that can be seen as um, a bit more raw, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And Days are wild. There's a line where he says, I'm going to quote the lyrics verbatim here so i don't get it wrong <laughs> all right <laughs> it's one of my favorites it's interesting okay he said these are the di- oh these lyrics ain't right hold on let me make sure we get the lyrics right <laughs> prince has so much music you gotta make sure the lyrics right because you get them wrong it's like what okay <laughs> hooker bitch and hoe i don't think so i only knew one i never told her though i thought about it many times this me but that's the kind of shit that make you check your mind. Is your blood type the type that flows or is your blood type just stereo? A woman every day should be thanked, not disrespected, not raped or spanked. And if a woman ever said I did, 
She's a liar. I'm a setup kid. I ain't saying the whole mother. It's like he was just cursing a lot just to curse. She's a liar and I'm a setup kid. I can tear shit up, y'all. That's my style. And these are the days of wild. So that lyric came to me because, you know, he's obviously addressing how a woman can be called, you know, all of these derogatory names. And he's juxtaposing it, saying, you know, we should thank women and use it in a way of productivity because a lot of times when people look at music videos you know michael and prince both men cis males but then you think of how a lot of women are portrayed in music videos and it's often degrading it doesn't seem consensual so when you can take a music video and you make it respectful where you can see the woman wants it just as much as the man and they're doing it because they're doing it not because Mm -hmm. they don't know what they're getting into that's appreciative so yeah once. But you look at a, a song like There's a Wild and he's saying respect women at the same time he's saying if you saying I'm disrespecting you you're a liar and so <laughs> it's, it's still, the, it's, it's still exactly, problematic. Yeah. It's still problematic. Dude either respect women or not what do you know? So I see it's the same thing as like sexy and meth it's, he, he's saying it's not about sex it's all about love but then Troy Bayer is scantily clad so uh, it's still so me getting mixed messages. I mean, the context, I think, is that they're both in it, you know, like, yeah. as always, it's, you know, like, sexy MF is funny because he's shaking his ass. Everybody's shaking their ass. It ain't just Troy and all of the other women just shaking. It's everybody. It's the collective. It's mm-hmm. a dance, you know, and that's what I mean about making a video <clears throat> or even content that explores the consent of both. It's not just... Mm-hmm. One person saying, okay, this is what I want to do. You're also responding and receiving, you know. I always, when I do poetry, I focus a lot on that interchange. It's not just me. I need to know, you know, it's a dialogue. Mm -hmm. Some people, ooh, it's all over. So (laughs) (laughs) just to provide that context. But I think it's a way of, the way Michael and Prince addressed sexuality was very, you can see, obviously, Prince being, flamboyant to a degree of like i'm just showing you what i am i don't care what you think i don't care what you think this is what it is you know like you don't like it then you don't like it but this is what it is you know also growing up and realizing okay i have to tone it down i don't want to be this right now you know Mm -hmm. so now i'm gonna wear a suit now i'm not gonna sing this song and if i sing it i'm gonna change the words but there were still moments where he you know would display i think it's just every artist I had a chance of listening to an interview actually recommended about uh, it was Rachel Farrell. Um, I saw that. Rachel interview. Farrell. Uh-huh. Yeah, Rachel Farrell. And it was wonderful. It made me cry, actually, <laughs> like um, because I could just see whatever she was you know, dealing with. She was just very present in it. But mm-hmm. she spoke of just how a lot of people don't see the story behind what makes the artist, you know, like the trials and the tribulations, whatever they go through. And sometimes you can find an artist that is vulnerable and they'll just show you all of it you know the sadness the the stuff that is problematic the stuff that is like just this whatever and that's honest it takes but that takes commitment that takes you know vulnerability it's not always easy to see that and sometimes especially when you see sexuality that's just subjective in a sense when you think of how people can respond to that differently as long as it's consensual 
And as long as it's like we all we both on the same page here, it's all about approach too. How you how are you how are you framing this situation? And just a song. So we talked about Dirty Diana. Let's see. I'm thinking of a sexy Prince song. And he got a door. A door. Yeah. A door. Okay. I'm just saying that because everybody thinks that's Prince's number one sexy song. I'm like, yeah, I love that song. I can think of but, many. But I, I don't think of it as sexy. I. Scandalous I, is sexy. That's one of. Oh that just my goodness. Okay. Now. Scandalous okay. Is, yeah. But to me, okay, to me, Scandalous, okay, this is what I'm saying. I think Prince, for him, there's carnal songs, and for (laughs) for him, there's sexual songs on the more spiritual level. I think Scandalous is the more carnal. Definitely spiritual, then, I would say. Exactly. But Scandalous is more carnal. Adore is more sexual on the spiritual side. But everyone's like, that's so sexy. No. See, like, yeah, it's like you got to listen. Like when he says satisfied is one of my favorites because it's very subtle, too. He's like, before we get started, are we all alone? Because I'm about to get open hearted. It's time to send your company home. And then he says, you know, I ain't talking about nothing physical because foreplay starts in the mind. That's the lyric. That's the lyric. It's like, that's true. Foreplay starts in the mind. Or, and you think Elixir is sexy to me, too. And that's a song he did with Bria Valente. But that's a song that just carries just all of those subtle resonances in a way where it's just, it just flows. It flows in. And so, yeah, you're right about the carnal, like the duality. There's totally a duality because then there are songs. But I would even say a song like Do Me Baby is. Do Me Baby. Ooh. I think that's carnal. I think that's carnal. I think that I'm gonna go on the carnal side with that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Melissa Morgan's version. Oh, oh, amazing. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> I did hear that. It's great. Mm, I'm gonna say a song like "Revelation" is sexy. Revelation. That's nice. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Cause to me, that's that's definitely it's you know got willing participants, and of course they're going to have a sexual act but he doesn't exactly describe it it's very nuanced but it's also mixed with a spiritual element yeah again it's a triple entendre that song yeah totally totally (laughs) and of course there's sexuality the song i'm just like okay (laughs) (laughs) sexuality um, i i think that's more I, i i don't think that's either carnal or sexual i think that's more about freedom of expression he's talking about stand up one kiss at a time yeah Yeah. i think he's just like you know be free to be who you are and being sexual is one way that we can merge towards freedom but i don't think it's really a song about sex i don't see it in that way Um, i totally got it though i mean i feel like he had a way i mean it's just what we confirmed It, it was totally like one and the same to him sexuality and spirituality, mm-hmm. but there were still some songs where it was like, okay, this is just this. This is carnal. It's scandalous. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm scandalous. I'm t- <laughs> I can't wait, babe. But it's just, uh, maybe it's the instrumentation of the music behind yes, it. it is. feels very yes. <laughs> I think right? it's everything. I right. think it's 
I think it's everything. And then you have the long version with Kim Basinger. I mean, hello. Oh, that's my favorite. The 19th. You got the so Rapture. You got the Prime. The pattern. Yeah, all of that is carnal. Oh, <laughs> it's uh-huh. like you get out the world. You're carnal minded. <laughs> get spiritual mind. Right. And, and what's funny is he did that transition where he. Well, oh, here's a bit. Be- okay, Mellow. Oh, okay. Mello. From the Rainbow okay. Children. Now this is now here's a, that's funny because Mello he says I'll go slow at first till you quench your thirst. Right. Wet right. circles around the toy till you bring yourself to joy. Right. <laughs> now what do you think of that? Now that's on the spiritual album. <laughs> right. Well, he, you know he has to have some kind of dichotomy, right? <laughs> and but, he married uh, now. But then right. he did a song like on the couch. Um, oh yeah. Where he says, oh, you know, yeah. oh, I wanna go down right. south. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, oh. But I still think, I still think that that's spiritual. Yeah. On the couch, I think that's that's. No, yeah. I no, I, I mean, totally. I I wasn't making the case for that being carnal. I just think he has so many songs where I'm now seeing those two uh, sides, the carnal no, and the. Um, I, yeah, but I think yeah, on the couch. I mean, all that stuff's like Manuela. So I, I think yeah, yeah. For him, it was a spiritual bonding, and that whole album. Yeah, <laughs> yeah on the couch is a good example. There, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, I just thought about that. One. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. uh, let's see what what else. Yeah, do me, baby, Carnal. What uh. Lately, like, let's see, his most latest sexual songs are, like, songs that are charged with some kind of spiritual, sexual. <laughs> um, okay, I, I want to be your lover. I think that's kind of has spiritual elements to it. Yeah. No, I think that's short, exactly. Yeah, because he's like, I want to be your mama and your sister. I think he was sister too, trying to be right. shocking, but it didn't work. <laughs> Well, I think it's kind of like another song he did called Friend, Lover, Sister, Wife. Right. That's right. one of my favorites. I kind of, that's that's definitely spiritual because he's saying, I want to be everything. I want to be, right. you know, just because you're everything and you're like, you're like the petal connected to the the stem of a flower. You know how all of it is just, yeah, that kind of love is, right. is that's the kind of love I, I want. I think everybody wants that kind of love. It's like everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I Wanna Be Your Lover was originally written for Patrice Russian, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And so I just don't think he changed the lyrics, but the fact that he didn't, I, I haven't heard anybody be like, why didn't he change the lyrics? I think people just let it pass because they were like, well, he's freaky anyway. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think people just didn't care. He's freaky. <laughs> but Sexy Dancer. Mm, sexy Dancer. I want I your body. It, want your body. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> it is, but it's kind of weak on the carnal list in comparison to the other songs. Yeah, that's just a groove. <laughs> I listen to that just Thank for the bass. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Woo! And the drum, like, just the overall, that, yeah, I can just listen to that all day. I love the piano jam on it. I love oh, it. yeah. Love it. Prince has had thousands of songs that we can't name any. <laughs> no, I, that's the thing, because he has so much you don't think of it until the context comes along. Okay, I said also, uh, 
one kiss at a time. I know that's mm-hmm. on emancipation and you know right. how you feel about emancipation and uh, all. Uh, um, let me sure I'm thinking on albums that you appreciate. So <laughs> sorry, Prince, I just can't get into it. Insatiable. What do you think of that one? Cardinal. Completely. Cardinal. I don't really care for Insatiable as much. I it's okay. It's it's okay. I think it fits. I think it fits on the album, but it's not I love the production. But yeah. it, it I don't know. Eh, it's weird to me. Sometimes I don't I don't listen to it as much, that's for sure. It's not one of my favorites. Yeah, I, but people are like, but, oh, my God, I love this song. It's so, uh, so hot, sexy. Actually, I was like, but I do. That's the story I should tell. But uh, <laughs> there's a, the, well, actually, I can because it's not explicit in reality. It's just the fact that the first time, there was a girl I was talking to once, mm-hmm. and she was like, have you never heard the song Insatiable? I'm like, no. And this was this was before I knew who I wasn't a fan of Prince at the time. It was right. like two thousand nine. Around she's, like two thousand Yeah. I'm, I'm mad. Right. Look, listen, trust me. That's why I'm like, I shouldn't say because after afterwards it was different, but um <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Have mercy. Did it in all kind of ways. <laughs> okay, what about come? The song oh, comes. Uh, I'm going to say mixed. Mixed? Yeah, I was yeah. about to say it's a mix because that's spiritual too. He's saying, you know, as long as you wash between your soul right. and through your hair. I mean, that's a more of an inv- invitation kind of like, I mean, that's, yeah, that's like multitude, kaleidoscopic entendres of a lot of yeah. stuff because yeah. he's going through. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love that song though. Come is one uh, of my favorite songs, actually. Oh my yeah. goodness, this is terrible. This is terrible. He's like, y'all ain't even prepared. Y'all don't even got. Like, this. what's wrong with y'all? I thought y'all loved. No, me. but we got. No, the thing is with Prince is, I think we we hit the the big ones. I mean, there are ones he he always has one on an album. I mean, there's all yeah. on any album you can think of. There is one. Um, 2010, they would probably be. Well, 2010, not really. No, Outside I of can't. a future soul song, but that's more of a that's a that's not a directed to a that just seems like a collective so everyone's involved in future soul song. See if everything maybe walk in sand. Mm. Walk in sand probably that's a very pretty song. Yeah, I don't mm, I don't see it. <laughs> no, okay. Um, future baby mama. Ooh uh no no. No. I'll, okay. That song is weird for me because I like the music, but I don't like the lyrics. Yeah, it's a weird song. Yeah, yeah I like the You singing. know, you might be fine, but I've seen it all before. Cinderella <laughs> oh. was a waste of time, but oops, she's out the door. I got one. I, this is a song I love. Somewhere here on Earth. Yes! Here. Sorry. But that's a beautiful one. Yeah. That's a beautiful That is, to me, one of Prince's greatest love songs. Yeah, that's a beautiful one. That's it, a beautiful it, it, one. It, to me, is an obvious nod to Smokey Robinson. Oh, of course. But, but I, it's one of my favorite Prince love songs. Oh, it's It just sounds, it also sounds, I hear a lot of Billy in that, too. Billy Holiday. Like, yeah, I, it, I, I can see it. I can see it. But I know he that was a total nod to Smokey because just... I know you're out there. I can feel your eyes on me. Yeah, that song is 
spiritual, but it's it's in the sexy. Yeah. 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 Oh. We say your your place or mine. What? Yeah. He said we could do. Should we do this one? Your place or mine? And you know he, he would do, if he did that at concert. People. Like, ah! I know he do that. <laughs> it's been so long since I've been with somebody like a million Jesse, <laughs> Jester, Jester. Right. I'm I'm gonna get on you right now. You know why? What's that? Because you forgot your favorite song. How you forget your Power favorite song? Power Fantastic. No. Into the light, I will. I have so many. Which one? No, I'm gonna give uh, one more guess. I'm, I'm gonna get on you. The way you love me by Michael Jackson. <laughs> no, we didn't even get to Michael yet. It's okay, Chris. wait, wait. Okay, who, 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 who? What's the song? What is it? Oh, boom. I'm getting on you. How you forget that? Boom, boom. Oh man, that's lust. Let me tell. <laughs> that's that's cardinal. You said that's lust. You fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna do you after school like some homework. That's creepy. Ah, That's creepy. I'm That's creepy. The song is good though. So I was like, room, and then we got to stop. Please and don't stop. And why he gave that to Tevin Campbell? He's 15. Don't be singing it. Everyone. Yeah, it was it was meant. To, but see, at that age, I kind of get why. Cause at 15. If I heard that song, I would have been like, this is the best thing I ever heard. Because at 15, yo, it's I like, know. oh, my God, this this says exactly what I want to do. <laughs> because you have puberty. <laughs> and I like shit. But, um, <laughs> I can't believe you forgot that song. Yeah, but that's the song. You know, let me give you some a funny story relating that song. This is actually highly ironic and informative. So right before my computer crashed about a week ago. Mm-hmm. I said, I want to listen to Shish. And I have a version, and I don't, I can't, you know, this is just, it's a perfect version of this song. It came out, it was during the Welcome to America shows when he did it a lot. And I was listening to it, and that's the song that was playing when my computer crashed. So, <laughs> every time, I, yeah, yeah. Too much, yeah. too much, too I was like, wow. But it's okay because I still listen to it online because I have another version that's just as good. So I, I, I mean, actually, but still, yeah. He did do that song when I saw him. So he did. How did you? What did you think? Great. I, I mean, the show was great. Even the Purple Rain song, like it, it was New Power Generation, so it was right. Good. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. And any New Power Generation live renditions I've seen of Purple Rain era songs have generally been good. So yeah, always. <laughs> My favorite version of seeing Purple Rain, this is off topic for a bit, but Essence Festival, 2014. Holla. Holla back. Any of the Essence shows were prints. I'm so upset. I'm upset. How did I miss any of those? I know. Uh, so how, how long was this solo? Oh, it must have been like, Mm, 12 minutes 14 wow well wait you're, wait you're talking about solo wait guitar solo yeah oh okay never mind that ain't oh i wish it, if it was that long i would have been in whew. the solo was long though he did 
the reason why I love that solo is because it was similar to a way he used to do it back in. This just shows you how I'm a bootlegger to the T. Folks <laughs> must have knew this <laughs> because back in the new tour in 1990, mm. you look at how he did Purple Rain. He had the that guitar, which is one of my favorite, like funky, like white. I think they call it the Mad C. It's not the cloud. It's almost like it's a guitar he has in uh, Alphabet Street. Right. Okay. But when he does that solo and the Graffiti Bridge ever like 1990, it's so good. Like there's a line where he just he'll just will it and it'll repeat kind of like a. Uh, 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 I don't know. I I know what it means. I'm sure people be like, "What are you talking about?" Anyway, <laughs> he did the same thing in essence, and it was like, "Wow, wow," because wow. it was just that. That's the I love the tone of the guitar. And that that effect he used, the pedal, whatever, whatever, it, he did it in essence like four times. And it was like, wow, you must have did what? that for me, homie. <laughs> yeah. So every time I think of that, it's like, so I remember being at that, I'm like, I see. And then he also had the uh, purple little shavings coming from. I've never experienced that till that show where when he does it, you know, when the solo comes in, then you get the purple uh, what do you call it? Like the confetti, I guess. Confetti, yeah. <laughs> yeah, coming through, and it was just like watching that, and I was by somebody. We were just like, wow, we we are really experiencing this right now. Do you remember what else they played in the set? Oh yeah, he he that was a uh, hit and run. I mean, oh, so, it was hit and run. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it was. I mean, it was in essence. I mean, he was headlining, but he did a lot of the hits. So he oh, focused okay. on, you know, let's go crazy, reloaded. He did the, uh, you know, Raspberry Beret, 1999, all of the hits you can think of, he pretty much did. He didn't really do anything shockingly, like, unfamiliar. Oh, man. Um, he, yeah. I mean, because this was a show, but remember, this was also the show he came out with Nile Rodgers a couple of times. Oh, so I saw yeah. Sheik. This, this was awesome. That essence was awesome. I saw Sheik, Jill Scott, Janelle Monet. All of these people who I didn't think I would actually get a chance to see. Wow. And it was amazing. So while he didn't do what I kind of, you know, oh, I wanted him to do a song like Shish, but it was, no, it was it was totally the hits. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he didn't do nothing. I mean, he did do as an encore Days of Wild, and that was really cool because huh. I didn't expect him to get back with that song, you know, and people right. were like, and at this time, people, ooh, I remember the security was like, no cameras, no, like, ooh, they were going, <laughs> everybody went up to this, like, a fool, like, hey, and they're like, no cameras, no, like, they were serious, too, like, mm. they had people getting escorted out the building for that shit. Wow. <laughs> Prince was so funny, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> what if you were a nosebleed or something? Right, like, like come on, man. <laughs> Well, like they go on, they go on, look at you and go, no cameras. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, this was because at this time, like when I say it was an encore, I mean, at this point, most of the people, well, not most, but a lot of people had left because they thought the show was uh, over. Yeah. It may have been like he got off stage and he didn't come back to like maybe 10 minutes. So it was oh. a long enough time where people thought that's why when he came back, it was like, oh, people were coming back into the venue. And mm-hmm. of course, you couldn't have your phone. So. But, you know, <laughs> that didn't stop people from New Orleans. You already know in New Orleans, everybody. Like, <laughs> They're like, excuse me? Excuse, get, you better get off me. <laughs> oh, man, I miss all of that. That's amazing. I just yeah. wish I saw the after party sets. Oh, and I saw Liv Warfield at an after show after that Essence show wow. that he did. 
He performed at the oh House of Blues actually in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and uh, it was yeah, it was amazing. He didn't he just played guitar on Soul Lifted, which was really nice. I mean, it was literally just wow. like five minute little thing, but it, that was awesome because that guitar solo, of course, me. See he see this is how Prince also balances out. He's like, okay, I know you want that. I'll come here and just go ahead and do a little guitar because I know that's what y'all want anyway. <laughs> and we do appreciate wow. it. Wow. But um, uh, so let's see. Wow. So Pr- Prince has thousands of songs, and I guess yeah, I can't. I can't. But <laughs> well, we just mentioned oh. the main ones. I mean, the, there's so many. Like the in terms of the intimate, like mm-hmm. special, the ones where like when we're dancing close and slow. I think that's oh yeah, sorta. I would say spiritual too, sexy. Uh, I like it when you dance for me. I don't know if you know that one, but dance for me. That was on uh MPL Sound 2009. I've, and that's I I have heard the album, but only once. Ooh, okay. Because there's a line where he says, "Um, yeah, well, that's the whole chorus. I like it when you dance. It's so sexy. I like it when you dance for me." Um. He's using the word sexy a lot, and that's all. Hmm. In 2001? Nine. Oh, 2009? He's, oh, he's, he's, he's got to the point where he says sexy. No, just like. <laughs> yeah, he was using it a lot. I like it when you dance because it's so sexy. I like it when you dance for me. That again. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a moment where he says, uh, it's, see, Prince had a way of also making a lot of, uh, his references like again we talked about with combining it with the spiritual mm-hmm. so he's like <laughs> uh, funky congregation let us bow our heads in prayer and thank the almighty for you baby <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he so then that's when he so he uses a lot of uh references like that you know and i would say that and he's saying hallelujah too that's the chorus i like it when you dance with me hallelujah i like it when you <laughs> dance with me <laughs> You can take your rock and lay it on the chair if anyone finds you. I don't care. What we do together makes history. I like it when you dance with me. Mm. Your flamingo eyes are all like jazz with every other sip of what's in your glass. The sexier you get, the more you enter my stash. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, you know what? You know, you know what song we're forgetting? What's that? Black Sweat. Oh, dang. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. That's sexy. That's yeah, carnal. Sexy for that one. That's no, carnal. <laughs> that's carnal. No, I don't know. No, no, no. Yeah, no, that's, that's carnal. That is that. That ain't that ain't no spiritual. I don't care. No. <laughs> right. That ain't no beautiful love and blessing. Right. <laughs> that's next way. He has to have. That's the thing with Prince. Prince has to have both. You can't just be the niceness. And that's what I like. You know, you got to get, if it's too sweet, then it's like, or it's too um, flowery and picturey. It kind of doesn't seem real. Right. Because we all know what animal lust feels like, too. You see. (laughs) (laughs) Prince got got a bunch of songs in it, too. Yeah. (laughs) My question, though, Going on, Michael, how often do you think he displayed sexuality or 
Did he describe anxiety in relation to romantic relationships? What do you think the bulk of his <laughs> Wow. He just said something. I mean, you basically nailed it right there, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I would say that Michael, yeah, he did express a lot of anxiety for being in a relationship and just doubt, paranoia, not being sure, you know, just kind of always taking it with this confusion almost like, I don't know. I don't trust you. <laughs> don't know you're going to, you know, in terms of his display of sexuality, he, I felt he was very, I think he was coming to terms with the fact, I mean, he was also born in 1958, him and Prince. So mm-hmm. you already know what that means in relation to how they look at themselves like, oh, I don't want to be seen as, and Michael definitely didn't like to be seen as gay. He didn't have any problems with his gay fans, but it was like, oh, they called me gay just because I didn't, you know, fit X, Y, Z or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel in general, he was very, he had that Jackson thing. I don't know, like all of the Jacksons are like that. They're kind of like, oh, <laughs> like, oh no, you know, we don't. <clears throat> t- <laughs> I don't you know what I mean? Like, they're all kind of like that. Janet, too, and, and Jermaine, all of them, where it's like, oh, yeah, we don't, you know, we don't really talk about that, or we don't. Right. It was just kind of, so that kind of made, I don't know if it felt like a defense. He didn't want to, He. I felt he was only like that with the people who he felt comfortable around. He wasn't yeah. going to allow the world yeah. to see that, though. Right. So he did pretend in that way. And I don't think anything's wrong with that, because that's actually kind of you know, have an agency for yourself and you're not allowing yourself to just be a victim to people misinterpreting and all of that. So it was kind of a necessary shield he had to create, but he was totally more so, um, I don't know if it was the unrequited love that he didn't get from Diana Ross or if it was just a mixture of him not, (laughs) if it was just a mixture also of him not coming to terms with, I mean, knowing his standards, right? Knowing what he Mm -hmm. wants but also knowing that he could also get certain other things because if he had it his way, he probably would want a wife and kids, you know, but mm-hmm. the wife that he wanted or the, the type of woman, the, the, the dynamic that he wanted, he couldn't get. He yeah, wanted that's something Diana the Ross. Right. That's Diana Ross. <laughs> he couldn't get Diana Ross. So because of that, he basically said, okay, well, all women are bad. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. I'm joking. <laughs> he, he didn't paint it like that. But he definitely had a lot of anxiety towards the intentions yeah. of people. He didn't know whether or not they really wanted it for him or if it was just for the sake of saying that they got it. That they were right. with Michael, you know. A lot of his music reflects that. A lot of his music right. reflects that. I've seen, I'm sure you've seen it too, where there have been stories and these stories have been consistent. I think there's some amount of truth to it. I don't know if it's true where he was with these women and some of them he would see during the show, the security or whoever would point out this person and say, hey, Michael wants to talk to you. And so they would hang out. She would go in the limo or whatever. And then they would go to whatever hotel room he's at and they were have sick. The stories, how people talked about what happened, they seem to match with each other. So I think there's some validity to it. Again, I don't know how true. But the fact that 
people seem to be matching exactly because you know there's all those fan pages where they make up all these fantasies a lot of people saying oh no you know you need to have sex and i don't know how true that is what i think is he was in love with diane ross diane ross was the only woman in his life he was ever in love with and he came to the realization that he could never have her and so i think he did have issues with women I think he said, well, Diana Ross is my ideal, my prototype. I'm not going to have her. I just whatever. If I can't I have, her. have her, I can't do right. it. Right. So, and that's so, actually uh, common. You know, that happens to people if they don't get, yes. you know. And, yes. you know, and I do think those stories, you know, whenever we say these, we can say allegedly. We can preface it. Alleged, yes. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. And we can also say, Absolutely. in addition to that, Will is this really outside of the realm of possibility? Likely, no. <laughs> ah, I mean, it's you know, it's not. <laughs> right. It's so, it's really not, and people could be making up things in their heads to give Michael a particular type of sexuality he didn't necessarily have. Yeah, and I people do that a know. lot. I think society right. needs to back off on that. I think right. Michael just as anyone is free to is free to have any relationship or whatever he wants to have you know and except we put for, a except lot for animals and kids no of course so i don't that's not even i just had i had to be very right. clear about that given the no, context we're talking about michael jackson <laughs> yeah well yeah obviously no i mean anything like that so what people do is they say no michael wanted this or michael we can just see based off of his music that there was a lot of resentment and um sadness really just pain too you know because he still appreciated and loved diana ross i mean he just wished he was able to be with her like i think at some point though because i don't think some fans sort of make it seem as if he never got it resolved and i don't have that perspective i do see that do. he <laughs> you don't think he never you think he was just his i don't think he ever life. got over her i don't think he ever got over diana ross i think he took that to his grave yes no i mean getting over her is one thing but not allowing yourself to get into other dynamics because oh. you're just, I don't think he had that. I know he always said that he will always, and if Diana, put it like this, if Diana Ross was like, well, you know what, Michael, we can do this thing. <laughs> he would have been down for it. Mm -hmm. But he probably would have been a bit more mature in how he handled it. Because right. after some point, you had, again, Michael was killed and and who's to say what his life would have looked like in another? What, what it would have like? What it would have looked like now if he was even? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I'm just saying, there's a clear, overwhelming loss that he was experiencing and not having Diana Ross. <sighs> yeah, I mean, people were saying who were around him in some capacity that he did have. Uh, partner around the time of this is it and people were saying she was Brazilian I don't know yeah I heard that too but people were saying that <laughs> so I think he did have that's what I'm saying it didn't it didn't hinder like him from that. getting yeah I don't I, the word partners bothers me <laughs> yeah I say partners because people you have a girlfriend or people ask, do you have a boyfriend I'm like, I don't like boys no one I don't have a boyfriend yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm grown I don't like boys so, I, yeah, when people say girlfriend, I don't like that. I'm just putting it out there. So I'll say partners for Michael. But, yeah, I think he definitely had some partners <laughs> over the years. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I don't feel like his 
rejection from Diana Ross hindered him from having other partnerships with people because right. that seems clear. I see it seems clear that he was seeing a lot of people at one point. I mean, different kinds of people, not just one person. So that tells me that at least he came to the understanding that, OK, I can still if I want this, I can still get or enter into a dynamic if I want. I think he also was just comfortable raising his children on his own. Yeah, but that I think that's a control issue. That's a whole other discussion. I think even though he said, you know, if something happens to me, I want Diana Ross to be the mother of my kids, or if anything happened to my mother. But I think that's him again. He never got over his love for Diana Ross. He wanted to be with her and have kids with her. And I think that's just a result of that. With what people are saying that she deflowered him. I don't think that's true. I wasn't there. I don't know. But people have been saying she was the first person he was with. He never got over it. She rejected him. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. I also don't think he was getting down like that. Like people think before he got with Lisa Marie. It is possible he was with other women. I don't know. But I don't think he was getting down like people think he was. I don't know. There were a lot of the way he carried himself. Yeah, I know the Jacksons are good actors with concealing a lot of things in their lives. But I think for Michael, I don't see any signs of him getting down with a whole bunch of women like that during the thriller era or during Off the Wall. I think people saying he was dating some people. People automatically think dating equals sex. I think he definitely went out with women. I don't know if he went got to fourth base. <laughs> I don't know if he did. I think there was some other stuff. I think maybe they got to third base. But to fourth base, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think he was still battling with being a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, I think definitely, I think definitely in terms of you know being with people, yeah, there was some stuff going on. I really, really think so. I think he was exploring his sexuality. In terms of intercourse, I maintain Lisa Marie was the first person. I don't care what anybody says. And I'm going also with the conversation he had with Glenda Stein, where he said, I would really like to know what it's like to be with somebody. And so I'm just going off that stuff. But in terms of doing stuff sexually, yeah, I don't think Lisa Marie was the, the first in terms of that at all. I think he was right. getting down in other ways, <laughs> not uh, <you> know, <laughs> a fourth day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it is possible maybe him and Diana Ross got down in some capacity. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I just That's don't what I'm saying. The, I mean, the realm of possibility is yeah. not too ambiguous, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so so what, what do you think about all that, though? I think what Michael said, even on the Martin Bashit documentary, which is, <laughs> I mean, obviously some of it was pretended and he was just acting in a lot of it, but being Some a of troll. it did, yeah. yeah, being a troll. Like, he knew, him and Prince were really good at that. They knew yes. that all eyes were on them, so they could just say anything. And, yeah. hey, it might be true, it may not. Ha ha, joke's yeah. on you, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, this is really true. It's like, yeah, whatever you want to think. But the story he shared about him being very nervous around 
the idea of sex and how he, he I, I, that seems likely. You know, I think he was very, he wasn't ready for a lot of the things that some of the girls wanted to do with him when they yes. first saw him, you know, that's yes. for sure. And I, I agree think, with that. yeah, so I think, um, I don't think he was like Prince, so to speak, like around 18, because Prince, whoo-hoo, you best believe it, you know. But Michael, he was sheltered. He wasn't doing none of that. And it wasn't until later when he started to explode. Now, around Off the Wall, um, when he had, you know, I think, I still think he was still sort of, because I here's another thing. You know, I wasn't raised as a Jehovah's Witness. I was raised in a very Pentecostal religious household, though. Mm -hmm. Um, But I still wasn't anywhere near some people raised in environments where it's like, no. Like you, like there's absolutely no way you are involving yourself in anything sexual because you're gonna read the Bible and we want to just make sure that is away from you. So I know people who can have that kind of, and he wasn't to that extent sheltered because he was still traveling, and his brothers was uh, so as hell. Mama's preaching Abraham, brothers they don't give a damn. Oh, that's the lyric right there. Yeah, <laughs> but he. But he did give a damn to some degree, right. you know, he, you know, and I was kind of, it's funny because sometimes, yeah, that happens, you know, you can be in a, I mean, again, like, and this is to no disregard to anybody, but it's just to say somebody can really align themselves to whatever piece of information you give to them. They might find value in it. Michael obviously found some value in Jehovah's Witnesses and mm-hmm. he, he took that, he took a lot of it to heart, but then around dangerous you know <laughs> you get to jam and he's actually saying yeah no they you know they false prophets cry a doom what are the possibilities you know and so it's almost like as he evolved i i mean i totally i would say just kind of what you said i don't know if lisa when you say lisa was his first experience do you mean like and in terms of intercourse yeah intercourse that's what i think yeah i think i think there were Young women that he kissed and maybe got to third base, maybe. But I think he was like hee hee hee. But (laughs) yeah, but I okay. But basically, Lisa was the start of yeah. When when did he meet her? I don't even know the date. Uh, When he was about about, seventeen, I think they met. But when did they get married? a little after danger, like around the time of the trial and stuff. So it was a uh, 93, 94, they got married. I think 94. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, that's, that's okay. That's probably accurate. <laughs> I mean, based off of, and this is going back to the, the prank that Michael and uh, Prince both were, the pranksters, it could also be that they just were acting. Well, Michael in this case. Michael was acting as if he wasn't into it or that it wasn't anything or that he looked at it differently, that it was like, okay, I can have an exchange. We can do this, but it's not the same thing as me actually being in a relationship and marrying you. That could be it too. You mean with Lisa Marie? With Lisa, yeah. Hmm. That's not likely though. It's likely that he probably was with Lisa and they just, you know, did it that way. But I think... It could also have been that he justified it as, oh, well, no, with you, you know, we're actually married. This is, you know, I know people who do that, too. And I'm not saying he's that person, but it's not. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know, really. Hmm. Ooh. 
They got married on May 26, 1994. <laughs> May, what is it? May 26, 1994. Wow. May 26, 1994. I saw the video. It looked really uncomfortable. Like, is this, is this real? And then they were in Dominican Republic. And then there was a lot of controversies around that because people were saying, well, the fact that they went there, it wasn't part of the jurisdiction they get married. So their marriage was basically illegal and a sham. I mean, there was a lot of controversy around that marriage. <laughs> around they said the, the license was false. It, it was just a lot of stuff. Are you saying that Lisa Marie essentially was a substitute for Diana Ross? <laughs> I, probably mm, I would say Lisa he saw things in her they vibed they had a vibe and it was just going so well where it was like oh I think if if not a substitution kind of like a ha ha Diana Ross you thought that I couldn't get with somebody oh you wow but well, I don't know I don't know fully I, because I okay. also think he did love her it, feel, it feels like yes. he he had a lot of feelings for her, and I don't think it was just pretended. So. No, I think because they they got down after they got divorced, which means she was cheating on her husband with Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She got she remarried that dude, so she was getting down, having an affair on her husband with Michael Jackson. Think about that. Everybody's like Michael Jackson was so good and so wholesome. I'm like, okay, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> Michael was no, but see, I feel like Michael was the type of brother. Kind of like, well, that ain't on me if she with me. That's on you. <laughs> well, listen to that Chicago song, right? So. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's it. <laughs> I met her on my way to Chicago. Was that about Lisa Marie? <laughs> <laughs> was she was still your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Is that about Lisa Marie? I don't know. Michael, I think also Michael got a kick out of that. I think Michael wanted oh, yeah. to take oh. away, oh. like if you, that turns on a lot of people, by the way. I know a lot of dudes like, oh, I want her because she's married. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a very interesting dynamic. I don't know what you want to say about it contextually in terms of, I mean, I can go aghast about this because I'm a philosopher and I don't even, I ain't trying to get that way. But I will say, yeah, I think he did that like, oh, yeah, I want, oh, you married? Yeah, let's do this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can draw it well, out because he was connected with Brookfield and Tatum O'Neill so Michael was about 19 when he was associated with Tatum O'Neill she was like 14 or something so it wasn't exactly a pedophilic relationship but I don't think again I don't think anything really happened I think Tatum O'Neill was way more experienced sexually than Michael Jackson at that point her father exploited her. And I remember her telling a story. It was actually, I think, with Howard Stern or so. It's somebody like that. But she was talking about when it was at Farrah Fawcett's funeral. Ryan O'Neill was flirting with her. And she was like, Dad, I'm your daughter. He's like, oops. Because I think he was so drunk, he didn't realize he was flirting with his daughter. Wow, that is awful. That yeah, is so she, disgusting. She grew up in, and I think that's why they connected. She grew up in such a messed up environment. And Michael seemed to connect with people. Brooke Shields, perfect example. She was exploited by her mother. Tatum O'Neill was exploited by her father. So I think he connected with people like that. 
And he definitely connected with people who had the same kind of trauma. He did a lot of trauma bonding. I mean, it explains itself. I mean, not a, a lot of people can say that they were famous as a child and then return for that. They were exploited right. and abused and just, yeah, it's a lot of, um, so yeah, I mean, Elizabeth Taylor, we can go on and on about that. Uh, yeah. But I, I'm just curious why Michael said that he dated Tatum on it. I, I just, I'm wondering what dating in his, is in his mind because she gave different responses. She's like, oh, we just hung out. <laughs> but he's like, oh, she was my first girlfriend. So what in his mind defines a girlfriend? When she's saying something different, and then he's dating Brooke Shields, but then later on, it's like, oh, it was pretty much platonic. So in his mind, what is dating? And I think the nervousness around girls, the nervousness around women when he got older, and the whole Jehovah's Witness thing and just how he grew up and he saw how his father was. I think he had very specific ideas of what dating was. Somebody who was a comfort to him. He's like, oh, that's my girlfriend. I think his idea of what dating was was very juvenile. Yes. Well, that's a very important context. And I think that's probably not too far off seeing that he was sheltered. And he just felt, oh, if we are laughing and being funny and sharing stories, having intimate moments, that makes you my girl. I know a lot of dudes like that, actually, who has right those kind of perceptions. But... It's clear that he found it hard to get into. I mean, he had a lot of different things going on that made it hard for him to even date because, you know, the people who I mean, imagine really being into Michael, but yet not wanting to be with him because you don't want your life to be stalked. And that's what happened mm-hmm. too. a lot of the women yes. who they didn't want to have to be thrown into that that world because it was hard. I mean, shoot, you got a famous, the world's most famous person as your boyfriend or your, not your boyfriend, your partner. (laughs) And you see all of, you know, it just changes your life as it would change um, his. So it was a lot of different dynamics as to why he didn't. I don't think it's because he couldn't, but because his, the way his life was set up, it just wasn't, it didn't make sense, probably. (laughs) It was. There was a speech he was giving, I think it was related to the Oxford speech he gave, but he was doing a press conference, and he's talking about, Shmuley is trying to set me up with women, and I don't know, and and then he, and he's talking about something in relation to the project he was working on, and he says, the imagination, and, and a sister goes way behind the of you and me, Mike. And he's like, <laughs> when she said what? So he he starts a sentence, and he says the imagination, and she cuts him off and goes, of you and me, Mike. Of <laughs> <laughs> you and me, Mike. <laughs> he's like the imagination. Of you and me, Mike. And he's like, oh no, no, that was at his forty fifth birthday party. That's what it was. Wow. So there was. So, yeah, so he's saying, oh, you know, this is wonderful, and we're going to have more for you and, and the imagination. Oh, yeah, I made Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's like, and then there was another time where we was talking about how uh, Shmuley Boteak was trying to set him up. He's like, just with no journalists. 
And wow. he was talking about all that. And then there was another sister. I'm telling you, the sisters, they, 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 <laughs> they come and, and, and she's like, don't worry about it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> the sisters just from the back, like, don't worry about it, baby. We got baby. you, baby. We got, we got you. Got you. <laughs> I, 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 I'm telling you. He he was dating some sisters off off camera. Tell you nobody would talk no, about that. He was public with Lisa Marie was dating some sisters. Right. <laughs> His idea of perfection was Diana Ross. So mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and that she just... was a, a dark skinned woman. Yeah, let's 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 put some context <laughs> so, on it now. So, and Michael, then, that's what I'm saying about his videos. He was very clear, and he knew. So, so for for songs, what what songs can we think of? The first song I can think of is "Break It On." Break It so On is beautiful. I don't think I don't think Michael's sexual songs have any spiritual component to it. I'm just gonna put that out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nah, nah. I think he was just about lust, and you know, in the closet. Right. <laughs> Uh, Break of Dawn, yeah, definitely. I mean, the low. Um, yeah. there, there's the one song from the Jacksons from the Going Places album, Find Me a Girl. <laughs> I don't know if you know that one. <laughs> I don't but, think I've heard that one in a while. So the Gambler host, yeah, one time, somebody said they saw them perform that. And he went and got a girl. I've never seen any footage of them performing the song, but somebody said they saw the concert when they did it. So I could imagine the pandemonium when that came on. <laughs> I mean, he's talking about when I find her, uh, I'm going to make good, good loving and all that. It's like, okay, bye. <laughs> so there would be sheer pandemonium if they did that song, but. Maybe they only did it that one show. I don't know. <laughs> and then there was right. a, there's other other pieces of footage where, and I'm surprised that those pieces of footage or photos got out with Michael's kissing girls in the audience because you didn't really see that in later time. I mean, he definitely got girls from the audience to dance to "You Were Not Alone" and all that, and you know maybe. There will be somebody that was sneaking a kiss or something, but overall, like he didn't initiate it. And so there had been times in the past uh, during Jackson's tours where he did initiate. So I just find that interesting that that was such an aspect of his power as a performer. He can channel that energy, but in his own life, he was shy around women. It's just amazing to me that you have those two sides and can sing songs like "Find Me a Girl." But Absolutely. Find a girl. <laughs> Just like, Ew, girl. Yeah. So, <laughs> but lady in my life, I was. Mm. That's a beautiful one too. Yeah, I'm trying the to think if, if that could be spiritual. It could, could, could be, oh. but because <laughs> I don't think that's carnal either. I think it's. I don't want to say it's more spiritual than anything. I yeah, mean, it's it does, not it sounds and it's not spiritual. It's just it's just a beautiful romantic song. <laughs> Pyt is obviously carnal, spark my nature. I mean, hello, but 
songs is see what we can't think of any songs what song does michael have that's about getting down wow even though you don't like this song there's 2000 watts oh is that a song about getting down see that's how much uh, i don't like it I don't even... <laughs> yeah that song is completely about 2000 watts eight ohms too much <laughs> of that yeah. Is that about getting down? It is. It? is. I was really? at first. Listen, I had the same reaction you had because I never thought that when they told me. I was like, no. But then I read the lyrics. Let's go through the lyrics real quick. I can read. I know he said something about Dobie and <laughs> <laughs> Shorty want to be there for me. I don't know. Yeah, he said a lot of different things like that. It was almost oh, like terrible. You may now apply your 3D glasses. Prepare them. Okay, he says, um, stereo control, how low you go, just enough to make your juices flow. Press play. <laughs> don't Yeah. Press play. Don't stop. Rotate. Too hot. You feel? I'm real. I'm everything you need, so tell me, what's the deal? Um, yeah, too much of that fuse blown. Be careful what you say. Don't overload. Release. Oh wow. Yeah, see, high speed feedback. So you are gonna listen to that and be like, oh, okay. It kind of sounds like he talking about masturbation. <laughs> well, anything is masturbation. Well, <laughs> 3D. Uh, if you're speaking of interchange, again, I'm on my philosophical stuff. Don't even bother. Don't give me a bait. I'll take it and run with it. <laughs> First of all, it's not a song I listen to as often as, Ugh. you know. But when I listen to it, I like the, the um, it's just different enough to make it really cool. And <laughs> he's, yeah, don't you overload. He's just saying you have to take it slow because if you, don't a fuse can be blown mm-hmm. and that's a very you know that's a again the 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 wordplay is really nice so don't, don't come too fast <laughs> right and that's actually a good affirmation too <laughs> yeah but i'm not Take convinced, it slow I, i'm not convinced that slow i'm like singing it in the song i'm not convinced what song so much better when we Take it oh, easy. Yeah. <laughs> Slow love. <laughs> oh. Young is the night. Yeah, but um, I do think, Michael, you said something earlier, and I, I guess we can conclude it with this, which is that Michael didn't, when he sung songs that were about romantic relationships, there seemed mm-hmm. to be a lot of anxiety attached to it, or just questioning you know doubt not really sure he didn't and he didn't really do spiritual love songs Mm-mm. you know and that's not counting if you're looking at the jacksons and the jackson five they did a lot of songs like that where he was lil mike singing songs like it's like wait why you got michael singing that why are they singing touch okay yeah, i got a problem it. with that. why are they singing that michael's well he was a 13 15 or whatever why why well, you why? Because Michael was exploited as a child. That's why. Well, that's the perfect answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Same. Yeah. And then you listen, but you listen to the Supremes version. That sounds PG in comparison to the Jackson's version. I'm like, really? So you got three grown women singing it. You got kids singing it, and it sounds dirtier. That's terrible. 
Mm. Barry Gordy. I don't like no Barry Gordy. That's a whole other show. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to. What's what song did I just think of? Heartbreak Hotel. So I think that's the perfect example of the anxiety around relationships for Michael. And that was a huge component of the horror tropes he used in his songs. But romance is horror, I think, was a running theme in his music. And I just find that interesting to explore. For sure. For sure. I mean, both of them. Uh, Again, it's the duality. So if Prince has the um, spiritual sexual, which is one and the same usually, Michael (laughs) explores that darkness horror and then he also bridges that with something rhythmic and conscious mm-hmm. there's a lot of nuances and like layering with both of them actually and that's why I don't find Michael sexy <laughs> and so in conclusion Michael <laughs> is not I've heard you know it's funny because not long ago I remember seeing on Twitter was someone posted a picture of Michael and they captioned it like oh he's so sexy and then the other person recorded it like, Michael might be a lot of things, but there's one thing Michael is not, and that's sexy. Yeah. <laughs> I, mm, 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 I, I was mm, like, oh, okay. So apparently, but then is. I know some fans who like, oh, go pants. Go, uh, go pants. No, no. <laughs> the red shirt. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> the gold pants, he was just performing. But when he was off the clock, he wore that red shirt. That so red what was shirt. he up to in the red shirt? You tell me. Something. <laughs> that red shirt is one of my favorite things about Michael. That's one of the things I re- I remember buying. Like I'm a thrifter. I go to thrift stores a lot, and I I thrifted. I go to the thrift store and I'll just change things about it. But one thing I love going to the thrift store for are red shirts because you can't get them anywhere else. It seems unless you order it for like way more than you should pay right. for a red shirt. And I always would get it because Michael, he would just get that red shirt. You 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 button it or you don't, and you got a V-neck. Oh, it's simple and it calls attention. And some people, and I'm one of the people who can say I actually look good in a red shirt. Some people can't do red shirts. You got to be a certain type to do a red shirt. But my <laughs> skin works well. Me, people tell me I look good in a red shirt, but I don't really like red. <laughs> oh, see. Blue is my favorite color, so yeah, blue makes it sense. is what it is. <laughs> well, you gonna see me when you when we finally meet up. I'm gonna have a big ass red shirt like Michael did. <laughs> I'll be like, what you what you finna do? What you finna do? <laughs> what you finna do? <laughs> Keep it in the closet. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you guys for listening. We have so much fun doing these podcasts. Oh, oh if you, you got any are... comments, if you think Michael and or Prince is sexy and you take issue with what we've been talking about, let us know. If you don't think they're sexy, let us know that too. We, we appreciate hearing from you. And we thank, thank you. you. So we thank you so much. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Good day, you guys.